Bryce Larson returns right now on ESPN 960. Get in on the conversation by sending in your thoughts on today's show via open mic submission on the ESPN 960 app. Welcome back to Valley Sports Talk here on ESPN 960. We're going to get into a college football segment and college realignment segment, really, uh, with our good friend John Kurtz of the KC Sports Network. He's also on YouTube as well uh, at John Kurtz, where he breaks down all things Big 12 and all things college realignment as well. So why don't we get out to the ESPN 960 hotline right now and welcome in my first guest of the day, that is John Kurtz. John, appreciate uh, you hopping on here with me. Hey, absolutely, anytime. Uh, John, want to hop right into the news of the day. I don't know how much you've been able to uh, check it out, but uh, San Diego State sending that uh, letter to the Mountain West Conference saying that uh, they're going to resign, but they're not really going to resign. What do you make of this? Yeah, it's wild. I was like literally just getting caught up on it within the last half hour or so um, as I kind of hit the end of my workday here. But, man, I mean, first of all, you, you just – this is why it has been dangerous that the Pac-12 has missed all of these deadlines that they have set. I mean, it feels like it's been about 27 different deadlines that they've had on this, this media deal, supposedly, that just have not been hit, and it has not happened here yet. And one thing that I feel like had been kind of under – it had been reported, but maybe just under-talked about, was like, hey, San Diego State does have a deadline here of June 30th, and we're coming dangerously close to that. And if, if you don't hit that, their exit fee basically doubles, and it becomes a really tricky situation to get them into the conference next year. Now we just see that that reality has arrived. And I, I feel bad, honestly, for San Diego State, because that's um, that's a program that has put put itself in position to earn this jump up to the Power Five. It absolutely has. I mean, frankly, like they're – athletic department as a whole right now with what they're doing in football and basketball has been better than a lot of Pac-12 athletic departments over the last 5, 10, 15 years. Um, couple that with the fact that they're located in Southern California, and obviously that's a, that's an investment that the Pac-12 needs to be willing to make right now. They've absolutely earned it, and the more reasonable spot for them is the Pac-12 and the Big 12 just because of geography and who they really want to align themselves with culturally and all that, which I completely understand. It, it's almost It feels like George Klyabkov's ineptitude here and in all of this is, is really hurting and potentially costing San Diego State and forcing them just into an awkward position. I mean, what they're basically doing is like asking the Mountain West to kind of like be in an open marriage for a month before they leave. I mean, it's a, it's a fairly ridiculous right. ask, and it sounds like Ross Dellinger from Sports Illustrated has really thrown water on any kind of idea that the Mountain West would, would acquiesce and grant this request. So they're just stuck here. Uh, you know, for lack of a better term, looking like the a-holes that are having to ask, like, hey, can you extend this deadline a month and save us about $17 million, which, you know, I'm not sure what the real impetus would be on the, the Mountain West to oblige that request. So part of Pete Thamel's uh, report there was that there's no formal invite to any Power 5 conference. and So with no formal invite to uh, the Pac-12, do you think, would it make any sense for Brett Yormark and the Big 12 to possibly swoop in and uh, make an offer to San Diego State? Yeah, that's a really interesting hypothetical now because 
the Big 12 is sitting here in wait-and-see mode on Colorado, which obviously also hinges on the Pac-12. I know there's been some talk about UConn, but it sounds like UConn is probably more of a second-tier sort of option if the four corners don't work out or if Colorado is going to be the only one to come. But San Diego State does accomplish a lot for you. I mean, like I said, their football and basketball programs are definitely like they're, they're ready to go. I mean, they're certainly on par with the four schools that the Big 12 just added to fortify the conference, plus you're getting into Southern California, plus you're getting into the after-dark, quote-unquote, time window where you could fill some more TV inventory after dark, and it's moving into the Pacific time zone, which is something Brett Yormark has been specific about wanting to get into the mountain and or Pacific time zones to push the league west. Um, so there are a lot of things that would be very enticing about it, and another one would be that it, it puts more pressure on the Pac-12, takes an option away from them, because right now – the, the mantra in Pac-12 country has kind of changed from, uh, nobody would ever leave, you guys are ridiculous, to now, okay, well, if Colorado leaves, they're terrible anyway. They've been a bad athletic department for the last 10 to 15 years. Who cares if they leave? We'll swap them out with San Diego State. Well, now, if you go take San Diego State, then it becomes, all right, if they leave, then what, you're down to SMU? I mean, now you're clearly downgrading the conference. So uh, I think it is a kind of compelling case. It's going to come down to, like, does the, I guess, does the Big 12 think that, San Diego State is legitimately ready? Do they care about uh, you know, basically taking out a leg of the Pac-12 here over anything? Does that matter more than how ready San Diego State potentially is? And then is San Diego State legitimately interested in, in making that jump right now either, or do they want to just try and wait this thing out with the Pac-12? Because San Diego State does have to consider. I mean, they certainly have always fancied themselves wanting to be in the Pac-12. They are obviously in the state of California that fits a lot more with them. It would be much more expensive for their Olympic sports to travel. Like there are a lot of things that they would have to consider. And I'd understand if they didn't want to do it right now, even with having to wait on the PAC 12, but you know, your marks, your marks, the guy that can get things done. Like he, he makes deals happen. He got the nets uh, into Brooklyn from New Jersey. He exploded the popularity of NASCAR by signing the largest sponsorship deal in North American sports history at one point in time. Like, this is a guy that gets things done if he wants to get them done. So I, I will be very interested to see if he tries to turn up the pressure now with, with what's happening to San Diego State. You also mentioned Colorado, um, and we know, you know, there's been mixed reports on Colorado board meetings. Is there one coming up on Monday? How much stock should we put into these Colorado board meetings that uh, they're actually discussing Colorado possibly leaving the Pac-12 and joining the Big 12. How much stock should we put into uh, some of these reports coming out? Yeah, to be honest, I don't put a ton of stock into it because it's it's kind of a fool me once, shame on you, fool me twice, shame on me sort of situation where we've we've seen this happen multiple times before, including you know last week or two weeks ago. People have picked up on a pattern here that hey, the last time Colorado left for the Big 12 to the Pac-12, they had a closed board meeting on Tuesday, and then three days later had an open board meeting, which if you're going to vote to officially leave the conference, that has to be open. And so people looked at it and said, well, the same thing is playing out here. They had a closed session on Tuesday, and then they have this open one scheduled for Friday. So people really started to get excited about that. And it was not the first time, by the way, that people had gotten really excited about a Colorado board meeting. Um, but that was the one that I noticed it the most, and then it got canceled. No, nothing actually came of it. Nothing really happened. So I'm at the point now where I feel like there's been so much smoke around Colorado already, so much reporting around it suggesting that they do have legitimate interest, that I would bet that we will see a report beat, hey, there's a board meeting coming up. Like, I think by that we, we will know from a reporter that this is going to happen before we will know from a board meeting being scheduled or a board meeting actually occurring for Colorado. So I, 
I understand why people follow it, and I still think it is newsworthy and something to keep an eye on, but it, it's definitely not something that I'm banking on. Talking with John Kurtz, uh, covers Big 12 on his YouTube channel, at John Kurtz, as well as with the KC Sports Network um, here on ESPN 960. John, want to uh, jump into possible Memphis link as well. Yesterday on Twitter, I asked BYU fans whether they would like Memphis to join the Big 12, uh, especially considering the beef that BYU's had in the past with uh, Memphis going back to the 2014 Miami Beach Bowl. I don't know if you caught that bowl or, or not, but uh, what would Memphis bring to the Big 12, if anything? I, look, nothing against Memphis, and if there are any Memphis fans listening, I mean, I don't say this to offend, but I, I don't think much. I don't think that they bring much, and I I know that it has been, there was a little bit of a tiff back and forth between, like, the Memphis paper that had either, orig- I can't remember if they had originally reported or they just corroborated reports that Brett Yormark had been in Memphis to meet with the school, and Brett Yormark obviously vehemently denied that publicly. I, I wouldn't doubt that Brett Yormark could have been in Memphis at one point in time to, to meet with somebody there, but I would think that's like a second, third-tier option, like doing your due diligence with other candidates if your, your top tier of stuff doesn't work out. I just don't see what the case would be for Memphis to be like a front-line option for the, for the Big 12. Um, you know, I mean, if, like obviously the basketball program has definitely had its moments, and the basketball program I think would come in and compete and make the Big 12 a stronger basketball league. Um Albeit, you know, I mean, it feels like Penny Hardaway in that situation is fairly volatile, um, even though they have had some really talented players. Um, but football, I just, you know, they, Mike Norvell did a nice job. Again, I guess they've had some moments, but I don't think they're consistently there enough. And then, like, their facilities, and I know they have some plans in the works to, to fix it up, and I believe the Liberty Bowl is a part of that. But I, I have been to the Liberty Bowl twice uh, to cover K-State Bowl games, and I was on the K-State beat, and – Look, this is where you can take offense if you want, Memphis. It's a dump. It's the. I mean, I've been to Memorial Stadium in Kansas a bunch, which is one of the worst stadiums in college football. I've been to Vandy. I've been to a game at Vanderbilt, one of the worst stadiums in college football. I think the Liberty Bowl is the worst that I've been to. Um, so the facilities are, are a huge question mark with it for me, too. I just That feels like a reach. That feels like a reach. And with so much going on, not only in the Pac-12, but also – the situation brewing in the ACC, I would just say it's much more prudent to, to be patient as opposed to going and adding anybody else that's a, a group of five school and not named San Diego State right now. Yeah, I totally agree with you. And, and I think uh, that San Diego State would be a much better option to go with uh, over Memphis. And it's interesting that uh, some of those reports were coming out about Memphis, especially when Brett Yarmark denies that any contact with Memphis, and then there were conflicting reports coming out as well, saying, no, uh, Brett Yormark was on campus here. So interesting uh, stuff coming out of Memphis there as well. Um, I want to kind of switch and go towards uh, the idea of conferences kicking teams uh, out who don't carry their own weight, right? The Boston Colleges of the world, the uh, the the Illinois, the whoever – you want to say um joel clatt was kind of the first one to put this one out there uh, what are your thoughts on conferences possibly kicking out you know the the lower level teams and sending them on their way if they're not bringing in the same value as some of their top tier programs yeah from the jump with that i would say 
and I saw Joel Klatt's comments. It was very interesting. I would just say I don't know, like, what the specific legalities or logistics are of that happening. So I will just preface everything I'm about to say with that. Like, I, I do feel like I'm a little bit out over my skis on that because I, I don't know, like, what conference bylaws say, how it would work. I assume you'd have to have, like, a supermajority sort of vote to get uh, a school out of there. But I don't – I just don't – We I don't – to my knowledge, we haven't really seen something like that happen. So it feels like uncharted territory for me. But if we're talking about from a purely monetary standpoint, which is clearly what all this is driven by, right, money, greed, everybody wants to line their pockets more. Um, it's getting tough to add anybody else out there and still add money per school to your league. And so, like, what I mean by that is we saw reporting recently, and I forget, there's been so many reports, I forget if it was, how oh, if it was Samuel or if it was Dodd or if it was Dellinger, but somebody had in there that with the ACC situation, even Florida State, Clemson, Miami, the kind of trio of schools that have really started pushing unequal revenue sharing in the ACC and have made their unhappiness known, that even those schools – likely would not be additive to the Big Ten or the SEC, meaning if you added them to the league, that would not give the schools more money on a per-team basis because they don't bring enough value, even as much value as we perceive that they have. And I think Oregon and Washington, it's been made pretty clear, are in the same position. They're more valuable than everybody else, but they're not valuable enough to get into these conferences now in the Big Ten and the SEC that have such a high concentration of crazy huge brands. I think that point's kind of driven home, too, by seeing the SEC schedule for 2024 that's come out now, and you're like, man, there are heavyweights everywhere. And so when you have that much brand value in a conference, it's hard. You've got to be a really big dog to actually up the payout per team now because they have done such a good job at consolidating some of those top brands. Notre Dame is basically the only one out there that would do it for sure now. So that leads you to, all right, well, what's the next way to make more money? The next way to make more money would be to cut dead weight. And then you have more money to go around for everybody else. Because, like, if you cut Bandy from the conference, if you cut Missouri, if you cut Boston College, is that going to really – are the TV networks going to be upset about that and change with it? No, of course not. So that that's a way to then make the pie uh, – take one less slice out of the pie for everybody else and have more to split. So I, I understand, like, monetarily how we would start to get there if it's going to continue to just be this crazy arms race and everybody trying to maximize the amount of money that they have uh, when there aren't – very many options and maybe just one option, frankly, out there right now that would actually add legitimate monetary value to a conference. So I guess because of that, it does seem like it's a possibility. But again, I, I say this without having great knowledge of like what exactly it would take to make that happen. So if you're going to go that way, uh, at what point would you just say, you know, why don't we just make this like European soccer? We have promotion and relegation based on uh, the team's merits from that season. You know, you can make the SEC as the kind of the top league, the Big Ten right behind it, so on and so forth. Give the top leagues more bids into the college football playoff, and it goes down by league. And then teams that are promoted move up, and teams that aren't very good move all the way down. Why not just go towards that kind of model, and then it'll save us the conference realignment discussion every summer? I mean, I think it's interesting in theory. I think there are, you know, like scheduling logistical challenges that come with that. I mean, you know, you see how far out like non-conference schedules are built, you know, things like athletic departments plan things out pretty far ahead. I guess I'm just laying out like why I doubt that we would ever really see that happen. I don't know that Americans are typically very kind to taking on ideas of how like Europeans do things with sports and particularly like soccer seems to take a lot of crap, even though it's becoming yeah, exactly. more and more popular. 
obviously in the United States. Like that doesn't seem like something that uh, has a, a really high popularity rating, a really high Q rating, if you will. Um, I also wonder, you know, I mean, how does that work with like money and payouts? And then if you're somebody that gets buried and relegated, you go through one bad coaching hire and you get buried for a couple of years, does the monetary gap then become so huge because it's already huge? Does it become so huge at that point that there's just no way to pull yourself back out of that hole and you get stuck in a lower place than maybe you should have just because of one bad coaching hire? I mean, I, I don't know. There's a, there are a lot of dynamics there that seem um, pretty crazy to think about and deal with. And then, I mean, the other part is just like, if you're a school in the SEC, like what's, what's the uh, motivation to do that? Uh, you're already in the catbird seat. Like that, I think a lot of these ideas that, like, people throw out in realignment and want to see are like, hey, that that sounds fun. And, like, if you're a fan of a school that's not in the, the big boy club, it sounds great. But the problem is, like, those two control everything right now. They've got the power. So, like, if you are the Big Ten, you're killing everybody else financially, even beating the SEC a little bit financially with what your future TV deal is. Um, like, what what is the motivation for you to go to a system like that? The system that you have right now is working pretty well. So I just – I don't think we would ever see it, even if it is a, a pretty intriguing idea. Yeah, those are some solid points. Uh, John, Big 12 Media Football Day is uh, coming up here July 12th and 13th. Are you planning on heading out there? I, I am credentialed for it. Uh, I am hoping to get out there. Some of it will probably depend on uh, what my work schedule looks like there. But, uh, yeah, my, my guy Cole and I, who do the podcast together on KCSN, are going to try to uh, to get out there. So I am, I am hopeful. I am hopeful, too. I did not wind up making it last year, but I'm hopeful to be able to do it this year. All right, uh, let's get a peek at your uh, preseason Big 12 ballot as well as uh, some of your thoughts on how you think the Big 12 is going to go this fall with Texas possibly, you know, finding their way to a Big 12 championship. Do you think it'll be Texas who are some of the dark horses? Give us your overall thoughts on uh, what could happen this fall. It's tough. I mean, I feel like it's very, very wide open. Like, I – Texas – on paper, should be the preseason favorite. I mean, I, I would say that, like, if we're just what talent that they have in the program, even with losing Dijon Robinson, which I think is a pretty big deal. I mean, that guy's a he's about as good as it gets uh, as an offensive skill position player, and I think running back is going to matter more in college football than it, than it would in professional football. But, man, I mean, how many times have we said that about Texas? Like, how many times would that statement be true over the last 14 years when Texas has not won the Big 12 championship, that they, on paper, should be the favorite? Many years, many, many, many years, that would have been the case. And they go and falter and stub their toe and finish 7-5. and five. I mean, they're, they're, that is what they do. Um, I saw a comparison side-by-side side the other day because Texas, Texas fans have been getting a little mouthy saying Oklahoma is going to turn into Nebraska when, when they move to the SEC. And so somebody threw up a graphic of what Texas and Nebraska have each done since Nebraska left the conference. And, like, it's almost identical. I mean, they're basically identical. They have been the same program. Someone called them Trust Fund Nebraska, and that's, that's pretty apt. That's pretty appropriate. Um, so I just don't have a lot of trust in that. I still don't have a lot of trust in Sark. I think he's a great play caller. I don't think he's a great head coach. So it's hard for me to say that, yeah, like I would put them uh, number one. Oklahoma, I mean, they have, again, a, a lot of talent. They had a really nice recruiting class, but Brent Venables one year as a head coach did not go very well. Uh, I think Jeff Levy's a little overrated. I think Dylan Gabriel's a little overrated as their quarterback. So I, 
I'm sure that they will be better, but I'm not sure that I see better than like a nine and three uh, for Oklahoma. K State's the defending champ um, and is getting a lot of love in the preseason, more love than they did last year when I think it probably should have been reversed. Um, I think they'll still have a really good roster and they've got a great quarterback returning. But look, it's going to be hard to replace Deuce Vaughn, Felix Andy DK Uzama, who was a first round draft pick um, of the Kansas City Chiefs. Like, there's a lot. They lost a second round starting corner on the defense. So, um, I feel like it's reasonable to expect K-State to probably take a half step back. And then you're looking at, like, I don't, you know, TCU, uh, Texas Tech, I think is a fun dark horse to think about. Um, they, they sort of follow this pattern. The last couple of years, your Big 12 champ has been like a 7-5, and 6-6 six and six sort of team the year before that is ascending and makes a big jump. And then, actually, the pattern that we've seen is that they fall off a little bit the next year. Texas Tech seems to fit that bill. They've got a lot coming back, a lot of experience, multiple quarterbacks back. I think they've got a good head coach tons of energy within the program uh, and a reasonable enough schedule. So I think like they could make some sense too. So I, I mean, that's, that's my top tier. Um, Oklahoma state. It's like Mike Gundy is consistent as, as you can be just about in college football. It'd be in like a seven, eight win program, at least a seven to 10 win program. We'll say, uh, but they had just a tumultuous off season, just all over the place. It's really hard to know what to make of Oklahoma state. And I, I still love, Dave Aranda and Baylor wouldn't count them out, but they, they feel like they're dropping off into that kind of second tier for me. So, you know, I know it's it's not – you may have been expecting, like, a definitive hot take from me, like, who's going to be the league favorite. I just think – I think, like, Texas, Oklahoma, K-State, TCU, and, and Texas Tech, like, that's probably your top tier if I were going to group tiers of the conference right now. That's what I foresee to be the, the top tier of the league at the moment. John, I appreciate uh, you jumping on here with me today. Final thing for you before we let you go. Um, I'm thinking about putting a new series up here on ESPN 960, just talking about you know the best places to visit in each Big 12 city. You're a K-State guy, so give us the insider information on Manhattan, Kansas. What are the go-to places, things you need to see in Manhattan, Kansas, when you attend a K-State game? I love that question. Well, Aggieville is where uh, it's definitely where all the kids go, but it's it's the most hopping spot in town. It's the bar district, uh, plenty of restaurants as well. But in a condensed, you know, probably like three block by three block radius, you know, you got 15, 20 bars, something like that. Um, that is the place that you need to start uh, just to take in everything. Like on a game day, obviously it's awesome too. It's it's going to be hopping. There's a lot of stuff there. I, Taco Lucha is probably my favorite place to eat in town, and that is that is down around there. you got to make sure you try the Chipotle raspberry black bean dip, uh, which sounds a little bit weird, but trust me, it's amazing. Um, that is their specialty along with the Nancy, which is a uh, beer with a little bit of pineapple juice in it, which has turned into kind of a local favorite in Manhattan. Um, I think here, outside of that, like Bourbon and Baker is really good if you want to go a little bit fancier. Um, with your food, yeah, I'm trying to think if I should be giving this more thought. Um, man, you might hit me up on Twitter at JL Kurtz. I can give you some better recommendations than what I'm doing off the top of my head right now. But like Aggieville for sure is where you're going to find uh, the most action and the most uh, the most stuff going on. If you want to like really truly experience Manhattan and especially experience it on a game day, that's where you need to be. And there are tons of great places around there to uh, to eat and drink. Appreciate uh, you hopping on here with me, John. Uh, we'll talk with you later. All right. Sounds great. Appreciate it. Absolutely. All right. That was John Kurtz's Big 12 Insider, uh, KC Sports Network, as well as on YouTube at John Kurtz.
And you can follow him on Twitter, as he mentioned there, at JL Kurtz as well. Lots of great insight. Uh, went a little bit over time in, in that uh, segment, but a lot of great insight on Big 12 uh, conference realignment and, and all things surrounding uh, Kansas State as well as Big 12 Conference as well. We'll take a quick break, and uh, we'll be back on the other side right here on Valley Sports Talk on ESPN 960.